during these last couple Sundays, guiding me, advising me, and supporting me and everything, and letting me know how great Lord Zion does things. So I appreciate that tremendously. I have learned a lot, and I'm very delighted to have been here during these Sundays that I've been here. Our scripture lesson for this morning is taken from the book of Mark. And Mark is a very fast acting book. It's a journey and they move fast. And the key word you'll hear it said more and more is called immediately. So keep that in mind as I read through it. You may stand as the, as the gospel, the good news of Christ is given to you. One of the very important teaching methods was that of teaching by the sea. So listen to this as Mark puts it. And Mark is one of the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Luke, and Mark, with Mark being the oldest source among the synoptic gospels. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at Jesus' feet. He begged him. He begged him repeatedly. My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage 12, for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned, in, uh, turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, well, Jesus, you see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? She's dead. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Oh, and, and they laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mothers and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took the child by her hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. 
and immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. Jesus strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Let the people of God say. Amen. You may be seated. Just a little something, something. <laughs> if you need a topic, I'm gonna just give it to you like this. It's just gonna be titled, Let's Eat. Let's Eat. In the scripture of your hearing this morning, you have this notion of um, the book of Mark is based upon immediately. Things move from point A to point B. It's a journey. They do what they do, and then they move immediately to something else. And even when the activities in the scriptures recorded is recorded 
rapidly and fast. So what happens is uh, Jesus is crossing the body of water from one body, I mean, from one side of the sea to the other. And in the process, he ends up being confronted by Jairus. And the term and name Jairus means Jehovah enlightened. And so what Jairus does is Jairus is a very noble, very rich, very regal person in the Jewish synagogue, and he's the leader of the synagogue. He's caught in an awkward situation because his daughter is believed to be ill or believed to be dead, either way you want to look at it. So what he does is he now comes from off of his high perch as the leader of the synagogue, which means he's pushing Judaism, he's teaching it, he should believe in it completely. And here comes Jesus coming in with this message of healing and the message of hope and the message of possibilities and blessings and miracles. So here he goes from a sense of legalism and a sense of the Jewish tradition into now what Jesus is all about in terms of healing, in terms of Jesus restoring, in terms of Jesus making whole, and in terms of Jesus establishing the totality of the wholeness of the person. So Jairus runs to Jesus, comes out of his synagogue, runs to Jesus, and he falls on his knees and he starts begging unto Jesus. And can you imagine this person who is so regal, so noble, so leadership oriented, and now he's on his knees begging. But the passage also brings up so nicely that when it is a person in your life that you love so much, you'll come off your high horses, get down into the ground, and you will do what you think you need to do for the betterment of the situation. When it becomes my child, then you find yourself going to the extremes to help your child out as much as you can. Jairus was caught in that situation, and he begins to beg, my little daughter is at death, almost at death. I have nowhere else to go. I don't know who to turn to. I don't have any other resources, and the only thing I have going is you, Jesus. Is it possible that you can do something in order for my child not to die, but to re be restored and regenerated and brought back to life? Have you ever been there where, is there something else you can do? Is there something else I can do? I know there must be something, and see, it's nothing like even when the doctors have told you there's no more we can do. There's nothing like, like Dr. Jesus. I found myself thinking about that little song that goes, come on into the room. Come on in the room. Jesus is my doctor. And Jesus writes all my scriptures. Just come on into the room. And so Jairus was caught at that point. I just need something else. And I think I found it in Dr. Jesus. So then while Jesus and he were, and the crowd was gathering to go to Jairus' house, then the crowd got bigger and thicker and bigger and thicker. And in the midst of all that, this woman shows up in the midst of this crowd and she somehow gets through the crowd and begins to touch just the hem of his garment. She was dealing with an illness of 12 years of hemorrhaging bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. She had gone to doctors. She had done everything she could till she was penniless and homeless. She had nothing else in terms of resources because she spent it all on her health for her health to be better. 
But she also came to a point of not desperation, but she came to the point of deep hope that if I can just get through this crowd, if I can just, even if it means me getting on my knees and going through people's legs and feet and everything to get to where Jesus is in the midst of this crowd, I know and have faith that I shall be made whole. So here you got two desperate situations already, but not hopeless in the process. So then here comes, here comes Jesus saying something happened. I felt something. And it's basically God's grace and God's will coming through him to reach out to the one that has reached out to him by faith. And he begins to say something just happened. I felt something come through me. And the disciples were sort of funny. The disciples said, well, you ought to feel something because you got a whole crowd around you. Are you sure you write about this Jesus? And, and the whole thing trying to say Jesus got some mental issues going on. He said, no, somebody touched me. And my, my love and my grace and my healing went through me and went out to that person. And the person that he touched, the woman with the issue of blood, ended up coming forth and talking about the situation at hand. Keep in mind this little phrase. Jesus stopped the bleeding and the hemorrhaging of the blood that she was given for 12 years for her to have a full life and being restored to a full life. Stopped it. Stopped the flow. And she came out with a full life in the process and began to tell all that, that she had gone through. And then you go a little step further and begin to take Jairus home. Jairus gets to moving in terms of where he's going. And while he's talking to Jesus and while he's going through his experiences, this word came to him from out of his home and out of his community. And it was, you know, bad news travels fast. Am I witness? Bad news can travel fast. It doesn't mean whether it's accurate it doesn't mean whether it's, it's on point. It can travel faster than good news. So here comes his friends and his sense of community coming to him, and he begins to pick up on their, on their notice. They were quicker than the internet. And, and the, even the World Wide Web that we have today, they were faster than that. So they come, Jesus is standing here, Jairus is standing here, and they couldn't wait to do a jet line to Jairus, to tell Jairus this bad news. And the bad news was that, Jairus, your daughter's dead. Now, why couldn't he have said, uh, the friends, anyway, uh, Jairus, step off to the side for just a moment. Let me tell you something. No, they had to tell the bad news as fast as they could that, the, that his daughter was dead. Now, how would you feel receiving that news in front of Jesus? How would you feel as a leader of the synagogue receiving that news? So Jesus did something that was sort of interesting. Jesus overheard the news, the negative news, the bad news. He overheard it, and he said to Jairus so nicely, he said, Jairus, don't fear. Don't fear. Just believe. Only believe. And so it's almost like, I don't know whether you sense it, it's almost like Jesus said, I got this thing under control, Jairus. What they saying don't matter. What I know and what I can do is what really matters. And so here comes Jairus and them coming to the group. 
and come into his home. And it's sort of fascinating because Jesus takes five people with him, or four people. He takes Peter, James, John, the brother of James. He takes Jairus, and he takes the mother. He, gets, he begins to move in the direction of Jairus' house. Jairus' house is filled with the whole notion of death. Death is all around. Everyone is dealing with the whole thing of death and grieving and certain behaviors you're supposed to have when death comes in. And so he's, he's uh, now getting ready to enter this house that is filled with death. And in the biblical perspective, they have what was called professional mourners. Do you know what they do? They're professional mourners. Here a mourner, there a mourner, have mourner, will travel, and the whole thing goes along with it. They're professional. In the biblical time, one of the ways to mourn was to beat your chest. One of the ways to mourn is to wear sackcloth. Another way to mourn, to mourn is to do the, the wailing and the weeping and doing all the things that contribute to we are grieving up in this house. Another way to mourn is to start talking about the negativities and looking at everything being so negative and death has a way of being so negative and putting you down and all that goes along with that. Here comes Jairus along with Jesus into the house and Jesus picks up on a commotion because you know how people can act when somebody dies. They can't wait to get into the house to see what they can get themselves. Amen. So the professional mourners sort of had a double agenda. They not only was in there, oh, Lord, and the whole thing goes along with it, but they could have been looking at, I think I want that, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. And can you imagine all this was going on contributing to the negativity? And once you get around some negative people when it comes to death, you'll be like, Lord, I can't wait till they get out this house because I need to get my rest. So what takes place is Jairus comes in there, death is all around, which is negative. Hurt is all around, which is negative. Wailing is all around. Weeping is all around. Everything just looked like it's lost. And then he has to deal with this news that was inaccurate in one respect, because in one respect, it was thought that his daughter was dead. In another respect, thought that his daughter was in a coma, thought that his daughter was asleep. He doesn't know what he's working with. But yet, these professional mourners are up here in this house weeping and wailing. So here comes Jesus and says to them in regards to this matter. He said, um, he said all of y'all, all of y'all, get out the house. You need to sometimes change your company when it comes to certain experiences in life. If you're going to talk negative, go to the other house and talk negative. If you're going to be, be so down, putting folks down and saying what's impossible or this ain't right and you got so many answers and, and the whole thing goes along with it, get out the house and go somewhere else. I have enough to deal with right now with my daughter being dead. I have enough dealing with my daughter may be asleep. I have enough dealing with what I'm going through. And the last thing I need is some loud, weeping, wailing people up here in my house, up here taking my house through negativity. So Jesus put them all out, told them, y'all need to go about your business in Martin 2018 language. You need to go about your business. Get out. Just get out. And he took them in to the house with Peter, James, John, 
and then the mother and the father. And when they went into the house, Jesus said to all of them that were negative and weeping and wailing, why are you making all this noise? And why are you making all this commotion? Why is it you are all so, so obsessed with death versus being obsessed with the possibilities that life might still be able to be lived? Then the professional mourners and everybody who got put out the house started laughing at what Jesus was saying. And they felt, well, you know, he don't have his act together. He don't know what he's talking about. He, he, ha, ha, look at him. He's just nothing but a big joke. And so Jesus went on about his business. He then put them all outside, not just one or two, but every last one. Sometimes you need to get the negativity out of your house completely in order for God's will to be done and to be done well. And so he ended up getting them all out. He took the child's uh, father and mother because he told them earlier to jerusalem them, don't fear, just believe. He took them into the, into the room where the daughter was and went in where the child was. He had belief in the disciples. He had positivity in the disciples. He had faith in the disciples. He had uplifting in the disciples. He had power in the disciples. He had healing in the disciples. He had everything he needed to say to good old death. You don't have no purpose in this room at this moment. So he began to pray the prayer as he took her hand. And I don't know about you, but every so often, it is good to know that the words that go like this, Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No other help I know. If thou withdraw thyself from me, whither shall I go? Hold on to God's unchanging hand. It's something about reaching up to God that God reaches down to you. It's something about prayers going up and blessings coming down. It's something about a deep faith. It's something about hope. It's something about possibilities. It's something about the Lord will make a way somehow. It's something about knowing that if God is there, everything will work out. Can I get a witness? It's something about knowing that if I cry in my midnight hour, God will wipe away the tears. And if I cry during the night, tears last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It's something about where God is, possibilities are. Where God is, healing takes place. Where God is, restoration takes place and wholeness takes place. And then I'm ready for whatever God wants me to do next. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He took this little 12-year-old girl, 12-year-old girl, thought to be in a coma, thought to be sleeping, thought to be dead. This little 12-year-old girl took his hand as he took her hand, and he whispered to her, daughter, just get up. She began to move. She began to have some feelings. She began to go through what it is to come back online with your nerves and, and your senses and everything, and she got up immediately. She didn't take time out. 
She didn't take time out to fuss. She didn't take time out to talk back. She didn't take time out to go through a rationalization. She didn't take time out to question. She didn't take time out. When he said, girl, get up, she got up. And she was restored to her fullness. Three different parts in the passage this morning, dealing with restoration and dealing with wholeness. With the woman with the issue of blood, he stopped the bleeding for her to live. With this young girl, 12 years old, Jesus brought her bleeding back on life for the blood to run through her veins, and she started living to the fullness. It's all about the blood, my brothers and sisters. Because you see, when you got the blood, Running in your veins, you got a reason for living. Can I get a witness? I am so glad that every so often the words come up. I'm so glad last night was not my last night. I'm so glad my bed was not my cooling board. I'm so glad my sheet was not my winding cloth. I'm so glad that angels watched over me all night. I'm so glad that the blood is running warm in my veins because now I can put one foot in front of the other and give God the glory and give God the praise. For God, I live and for God, I'll die. Three people going through experiences of life that looked like it was totally hopeless, but Jesus stepped in right on time and renewed their faith restored them, gave them wholeness, and regenerated them. And when they got their second win, if you please, they had to go and start telling somebody else. But Jesus told them, Jesus said, don't tell nobody anything about what just happened. It's, the word is going to get out, but don't tell anybody anything. But what did take place was after the young girl got up, and I don't know about, about you, but I know in my family and home, when you feel real good, which is an indicator in the healing process, when you've been in the hospital and been sick and everything, one of the indicators that you're healing or getting better, you start having an appetite. All right. Start wanting to eat something, right? And you begin to eat and eat. And if you're feeling really, really good at Thanksgiving, you done ate too much. That you are no good for nobody. Uh, give me a minute now. I got to get the seconds and the thirds and the fourths and the fifths. Then you start unbuttoning your pants or whatever you got going around and getting tighter and tighter. And you got to let it loose, looser and looser. Because you ate more than what you normally would eat. But you pigged out as much as a pig could pig out at your Thanksgiving dinner. And then get a nerve to go over there and lay down on the couch and start snoring. <laughs> Amen. When you're in the hospital and they start moving you from liquids to, to liquids to semi-soft food and then finally to solid food, it lets you know you're on the healing path. When you begin to want something to eat after being sick, it lets you know you're doing all right. When Jesus finished getting her up, moving her around, and letting her know that she's all right, he used this little phrase at the end that said, Give her something to eat. I just want you to hear this and see if this brings back any memories from your own youthfulness and childhood. And I hope I do this right because it is technology. 
See if this sounds familiar to you. I'll start it over, because it is technology. Wait a minute, hold up, hold up. Um, hold up, YouTube. Hold up, YouTube. I'll see if I, oh, wrong one. Hold up, okay, now. Okay. Ever heard that sound before? That's a news when it's time to come get something to eat. <laughs> Let me help you out with this other one, see if I can get to this other one, because um, I'll do it this well. I'm trying to be all, you know, all technology and all, but when you go to a fancy restaurant, they don't say, um, please come and dine. They don't do no yelling when you go to a fancy restaurant. But when you go to, um, when you go around certain, certain situations and everything, then the next thing you know, I'm gonna do it this way. I had it marked, but you know how technology can be. Mr. Mr. Man at the, um, at the box back there don't talk about me. Let's see. Okay, here goes here goes another one that you may remember hearing at one time. Look at this great bell. Listen to it. Come and get it. Come and get it. Dinner. Amen. <laughs> Don't tell Pastor Murphy about this, okay? <laughs> But when your health is good, when you have made it through what these people have made it through, they've been restored, they've been refreshed, they've been healed, they've been made whole. When they get up to their optimum position and the optimum power and strength that they have, then it's time to eat. It's time to have dinner. It's time to have a good meal. It's time to feed and it's time to let it be known that as God prepares my meal, I shall eat no more bread of heaven. Feed me till I want no more. So every time we come to Holy Communion, it's a maintenance agreement made between God and you. You went through the weak. You went through your blessings. You went through grace. You went through the ups. You went through the down. You went through trials. You went through tribulations. You went through hurt. You went through pain. You went through disappointment. You went through all of that. Today, this morning, is a time for you to come around the table Eat until you can eat no more. Feast till you can feast no more. Know that God wants you to be in a better situation. God wants you to be healed. God wants you to be filled. God wants you to have the heavenly meal that prepares you for now. Say thank you for yesterday and get you ready for what you may go through tomorrow. It is time, church. Let's go eat at the heavenly table. Amen. Amen.